Welcome to Grinding the Data. My name is Kevin Scott, and I'm honored to be with you. I want to say something off the bat here. This week in football land was rough for me. All the teams I wanted to lose won. My favorite team, the Chiefs, lost and looked terrible. And my fantasy teams did not do very well either. I went off for over 200 in a few of them, and that was nice, but for the most part, I had too many losses and not enough wins. It was one of my worst weeks overall. I lost many close matchups. And here's the thing. It happens. Bad days or weeks at work happen. Struggles and relationships happen. Marriage problems, parenting problems, friendship struggles, financial problems. Just like anything in life, there's dry seasons when nothing seems to be working out in fantasy football. And one of the things I've appreciated about fantasy over the years is that it teaches a simple and obvious yet profound lesson. It's not over till it's over. The ones who win are often the ones who simply didn't give up, who never stopped grinding. And on that hundredth move, while your team is 0-5, you made a fantastic pickup that changed everything, or a big trade. When you grind and never quit, things can shift. All of a sudden, a team starts to perform, you hit weaker opponents, and the outlook changes. I mentioned in the podcast last week that I bought in for one, my very first $100 league back in 2008, which ultimately won $300 and started me on this high stakes journey where I play in a boatload of leagues every year. What I didn't mention about that team is that it started one and six, one and six. I, I was pretty dejected. I was frustrated. I felt so guilty about potentially wasting $100 on this league when clearly I was not good enough to win with the big boys, the pay league boys. But I didn't quit. I kept on grinding, partly because one of my league mates, who I met in that league and I'm still friends with to this day, told me that I have a great team and I should not stop grinding. So, of course, I kept at it. Either way, I would have kept at it because it was $100. It was a big deal back then. And I won six games in a row to make the playoffs and finished in the money. No matter what, Never quit in fantasy and in life. Let's jump into the data from week five. Before we do, my four weekly pleas. I need your help to keep this podcast going in the near and long term. If it's if it's helping you out, please help me out. One, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Two, leave a rating and review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Three, if you use something other than Apple Podcasts, just share it wherever you can and spread the word. Put it on Twitter, something like that. It would be great. And number four, support the podcast. Could be for a buck, two bucks a month, $3,000. I don't care. Whatever. Anything helps. All right, let's dive in with the hot data points from the week. Corderell Patterson continues his upward ascent toward the starting job in Atlanta. He had not seen above a 42% snap share through four weeks. And in week five, he played on 59% of snaps. Mike Davis, the starter, quote unquote, Played on 64%. However, Patterson received more carries than Davis, 14 to 13. He also got a whopping nine targets on top. Now, part of his target share and the uh, increase in snaps is because Calvin Ridley was out. You have to be aware of that. But his snap share has been um, on the on the rise, not to this degree, but it's been rising, and his involvement in the offense has certainly been strong every week. Now, Davis did score the touchdown this week. You can't drop Davis at this point. But Patterson is by far the more preferable weekly play. Keep an eye 
uh, on whether Wayne Gallman starts to steal some snaps from Davis. Miles Sanders uh, had a little bit of a bounce back. He played on 75% of snaps and got 11 carries, which is a huge number for what he has been getting from the Eagles. He also got six targets. It's the most touches he, he has received since week one. Now, he didn't score, but he could have on the goal line uh, uh, run pass option. Uh, Jalen Hurts took the ball. If he'd given it to Sanders, he also would have scored. Um, it, it, Sanders' value is certainly limited in this offense, but don't give up on him. Do not drop him. He's a dynamic back. Uh, he has not played under 60% of snaps all season, and they may eventually figure out a way to get him going. Those who roster Aaron Jones would be allowed a bit of concern after Sunday's game. Jones did play on 69% of snaps and got 19 opportunities, which is strong, but A.J. Dillon's role is increasing. He played on 33% of snaps and got 12 opportunities, including four targets, of which he caught all of them, and he scored on one of those receptions. So those who drafted Jones early were not concerned in the least about Jones losing any receiving work to Dylan, but that appears to be a, an incorrect assessment. Uh, both backs could be good weekly starts if this split continues, so Dylan should certainly be added if he's on your wire, but it certainly also hurts Jones's upside. Michael Carter, a name I've been mentioning a lot this season. He continues to just tick up a little bit each week with his usage. He played on 52% of snaps. Ty Johnson was down at 39%. Now, Carter's on a bad offense, obviously. The Jets just straight stink. Um, and Carter probably needs to be up toward 70% of snaps uh, before he becomes like a, an actually attractive weekly play. Uh, but he certainly moved into the lead back role. He got 13 touches to Johnson's six, and then Tevin Coleman worked in with uh, three touches on only five snaps. If all of those, you know, or a lot of those snaps and touches go to Carter, uh, he would be a potential uh, weekly play. Um, and even now on a bad offense, even though you have to tread carefully, like he he's a good spot start at back if you're uh, if you're thin, which most of us are. I hope you didn't give up on Miles Gaskin too soon. He led the way for the Miami backs in a big way on Sunday, playing on 69% of snaps. Uh, Salvan Ahmed down to 20%. Malcolm Brown down at 9%. Uh, now, the Dolphins didn't run it much. Gaskin only saw a few carries, but he saw a whopping 10 targets and caught all of them for 74 yards and two scores. I would say, like, hey, Gaskin's back. Uh, if you have him, start him. If he's on your wire, you know, spend everything to get him. But I can't quite say that because we just don't know what this Dolphins coaching staff is doing. What I will say is uh, Gaskin's the best of them. Gaskin should be starting and getting the most snaps and touches every week. So if they figure that out and they give it to him, um, he's going to be a good weekly play. For now, you've got to hold him. Do not drop him. Um, obviously, if you did, try to get him back or somebody else did, try to pick him up. In a big shocker, uh, Damian Williams was outsnapped on Sunday by rookie Khalil Herbert, 53 to 48%. I touted Herbert in my podcast as a sneaky pickup before week five in that uh, Friday-Saturday podcast. If you haven't checked that one out, you should. I did not envision this kind of split, though. Uh, both players ended up with 18 touches with fairly equal yardage, 75 to 84. I think Herbert is a must-add. Uh, mainly because David Montgomery's out and they have now shown they are completely unafraid of using him and running him often. Uh, he could be a nice option, especially on this um, rush-heavy team for those who lost Saquon Barkley or Edwards Hilaire or, you know, just are, are without David Montgomery. Uh, I, I still think Damian Williams is by far 
going to get more touches on the hole and more uh, potential points because he's more involved in the pass game so far. But Herbert's a, a very talented back. Um, I think uh, looking at his rookie tape coming into this season for Dynasty, I liked him a lot. So I would certainly consider picking him up. Devontae Booker played almost every snap after Saquon Barkley left the game. I don't think Booker's a special talent, but he it doesn't matter. His opportunity is huge. He finished with 19 touches, 58 yards, and two scores. Um, he's a smart and tough runner. That's what you can say for him. So if you are a running back needy team, again, even whether you lost Barkley or somebody else, uh, Barkley's probably going to be out for a couple games is my guess. So Booker is a pretty good pickup. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore both played on exactly 87% of snaps. Both received exactly seven targets. Moore was again more effective, catching five for 42. Uh, Anderson had two for 30. Uh, both are very involved though. Now Darnold was bad on Sunday. It's the first time he has looked like the New York Jets. Sam Darnold, um, you got to hope if you have these guys that he can bounce back. Um, if he does, both players could have nice weekly upside because they're both involved. We have not seen the the big week from Robbie Anderson yet, but he was targeted on a deep ball this week and uh, Darnold just overthrew him. He has the potential to score uh, anytime he goes deep, and that's kind of how they're using him now. So um, just keep an eye on Anderson. If he was dropped and you have the space, I would add him. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Another player I've been talking up uh, for a few weeks. He led all receivers and snaps for the Lions. Played on 69%. I believe um, their other receiver who, who has been playing a lot of snaps, Quintez Cephas, I think he was injured, injured this week. So that could have been why he led uh, the receivers and snaps. But either way, uh, he looked good. He caught eight, uh, seven of eight targets for 65 yards. As a second, it is the second consecutive week he has been the best receiver for the Lions, in my opinion. I think he's a must-add. Uh, in most leagues, especially, well, not not all leagues. It depends if it's deep. Now, if you have, you know, five bench spots, then no. But in a standard uh, 16 to 20 team league or a player roster, I'm sorry, uh, he's a good add. He's, it looks like he's establishing a nice rapport with Jared Goff. Uh, Chase Claypool played on only 55% of snaps, but he led the Steelers in receiving, caught five of six for 130 and a score. The Steelers lost Juju Smith-Schuster for the season with a shoulder injury, so Claypool and, De and Deontay Johnson get big bumps up in the uh, weekly rankings. I think they become uh, weekly starts like every week. No-brainer. Um, even with the bad quarterbacking from Roethlisberger, these guys are both very dynamic, and you know Claypool. I've been feeling for a while, like man, if he could just get Juju snaps, um, this guy could go off, and now we get to see that. Now, sounds like the Steelers are going to sign Anthony Miller. I'm not worried about that. Claypool is a far better player, as is Deontay Johnson. So, just something to to know. And I, I don't think either. I don't think Claypool would be on your wire. Um, very unlikely. But if you have him, start him, and he, it might be an interesting trade target this week. Rondell Moore saw his highest snap share of the season at 48%. He was second on the team in targets behind DeAndre Hopkins. He finished five for 59 and also rushed three times for 38 yards. What that tells you is that the coaching staff is like, hey, we got to get Rondell Moore the ball. Uh, when, you, when you see receivers getting three carries, and he is very dynamic. So if he's on your wire, I would consider adding him. Now, don't forget, he's still under 50% of snaps every game. Um, they have these three receivers ahead of him. Uh, for some reason, they still want to play A.J. Green on 80% of snaps. Uh, so you can't expect big weeks every week. But he's a good good player to have on your roster uh, for these buys coming up because you can stick him in there into your flex spot and just if you hit a big week, uh, he's a huge, huge benefit for you. 
uh, a breakout week for Kadarius Tony, who another player I've been touting for a few weeks here on this podcast. I hope you picked him up. I hope you're you're laughing and taking your money to the bank right now on Tony. Uh, he took over for the Giants on Sunday. He caught ten of thirteen targets for 189 yards. Uh, also, even got a carry for seven yards. He he just looks amazing out there. I don't know if you saw that game, but quick and dynamic in the open field. Stop start ridiculous ability. Um, even though the Giants are not good, they got to throw the ball. They got to try to catch up in all these games they're likely to be behind. And Tony could become a stud fantasy contributor. He should be added everywhere if you didn't already add him. Uh, looks like Galladay left again with another injury, which just you know gives Tony more opportunity. Also, all, all three starting receivers for the Giants, including also Shepard and Slayton, are injured. I think Shepard and Slayton should be back this week or soon uh, from their hamstring injuries, but we're not sure on that. Either way, I think Tony, from what he's shown, uh, if the coaches are even decently smart, they're not going to take him out. Um, now this is Jason Garrett, so take that with a grain of salt. But if, if, uh, you get, you can get your hands on Tony, I would start him, um, immediately because he showed he's a superstar in the making. Robert Tanyan led the Packers tight ends with 59% of snaps, but he was outproduced by Mercedes Lewis. Uh, Tanyan received only two targets and caught one for eight yards. So if you drafted Tanyan to be your starter, it looks like it's time to search for a better option. He just isn't involved. Now, that can change quickly, but um, I, I'm not even suggesting you drop him, but I would look for a better option. I was uh, surprised to see that Anthony Ferkser played on only 42% of snaps on Sunday behind Michael Pruitt at 59%. Ferkser did have more targets. He got four and caught three for 33, but Pruitt scored. So with this situation, with getting less than 50% of snaps on a team that is not very good at throwing the ball, you got to bench him and slash drop him, whatever makes sense for you. Um, If you need the roster spot, drop him. I I had high hopes for him, and I think if he was getting 70 or 80% of snaps, he could be producing eight, nine uh, targets a game because they have so few targets or so few uh, good receiving options right now. But it, it hasn't happened yet. David Njoku played on fewer snaps than Austin uh, Austin Hooper, 64% to 72%, but Njoku received seven targets to Hooper's zero. Uh, Wow. He caught all seven for 149 and a score. Now, I think 60 or so of those came on one broken uh, tackle play, um, which isn't going to happen often, but still, seven targets uh, to zero. That's a big deal. Uh, perhaps they have maybe just shifted Hooper more into a blocking role. They see that Njoku's a better receiver. I don't know. Uh, it's, it may be just the way the game panned out. Uh, it kind of happened over the course of the the, uh, the 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 matchup. But I I still do not recommend starting any Cleveland tight end. I think Cleveland prefers to run the ball. They have three. They do have three tight ends that they they all play significant snaps. All three were over thirty three percent this week. So, uh, I don't know. I I'm just torn on on Najoku. It's such a hard name to say. I will say that he'd be an intriguing trade target for the Cardinals. Uh, they just lost Max Williams, so maybe keep an eye on it this week. And you know, if you want to pick Najoku up with the hope uh, that something happens, go for it. Evan Ingram could also benefit from the the rash of injuries on the Giants. He played on 74% of snaps, his highest of the season, and he caught all four of his targets for 55 yards. So, I mean, if you have all these receivers injured, you'd have to think Ingram is going to uh, see a bunch more targets soon. So if he's on your wire, I'd pick him up. 
Uh, Jared Cook uh, played on more snaps than Donald Parham again. It was 67% to 53%, uh, and he got more targets, 3 to 2. But Parham was more productive. Uh, he caught both of his targets for 29 yards and a score. Um, I would just, I mentioned him in deep leagues, in tight end premium leagues, I would say Parham is probably worth an add. Uh, he's playing around half the snaps, and Herbert is on fire, and he likes to target him in the red zone. So just a, a name to consider. And speaking of names that have changed in my mind, Dawson Knox, wow, that guy is officially a thing. He continues to score most weeks. He led the team in receiving against the Chiefs with 117 yards. Only th- only caught three passes, uh, but he scored again. Uh, the bottom line is he has a great connection with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, who loves to throw it. Uh, so he's worth a weekly start unless you have a top five tight end. I mean, he's he's right up there in the top 10 for sure. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones played on 99% of snaps for Washington. So he basically took over Logan Thomas's role exactly. Uh, he got eight targets, caught five for 41, and also got some end zone targets that he did not catch. Could have been a big day. So he's a guy you have to pick up if you need a tight end. He's playing every snap, which is incredibly difficult um, to find in the NFL. And another guy I would pick up immediately that I've been—I think I've been talking about Dan Arnold for five weeks since this, since everything kicked off. This is a guy that is a receiver. I don't—I don't like think he's the best ever, but he's a receiver playing tight end. He got traded to the Jaguars, so they clearly like him. Um, and Trevor Lawrence has shown he loves throwing the tight ends. This is a perfect situation, and in his first full game with the Jags, he received eight targets, uh, played 73% of snaps, and caught six for 64 yards. Uh, this makes him a must-start in most leagues, assuming that this trend continues. So pick him up immediately if you need a tight end. Uh, let's move to the warm data points, those that still need immediate attention in very deep leagues and are items to strongly consider moving on in any league. Uh, but they're a little less hot than those previous ones. Ramondre Stevenson returned from his few weeks in Belichick's doghouse, and in week five, he played on 34% of snaps and got 11 carries. Now, he didn't do much with them, uh, but it's still something to pay attention to. Damian Harris got more carries, but actually played on one fewer snap than Stevenson, uh, mainly due to getting banged up throughout the game. He, he was uh, more effective, too. He, he ran 14 times for 58 yards and a score. But, you know... Um, Harris does get banged up, and so Stevenson is worth adding. He's um, he's a good young back, and if he continues to get this many snaps, he's going to be worth uh, having on your roster, especially if he becomes the starter if Harris has to miss time. David Johnson played the most snaps among the Texans running backs at 53%, but he received only two carries. Mark Ingram, who played on 44% of snaps, got 16 carries. And Philip Lindsay, who played on 22% of snaps, got five carries. Now, in general, this is still completely an avoid backfield. Avoid all these guys. None of them are worth having. Um, but I just wanted to mention this because they really are just using Johnson in the passing game. And Lindsay is only being used sparingly. So a team that, you know, before the trade deadline needs a back, um, one of these guys is a good target. That, that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Like for the Chiefs, who just lost CEH, or you know the Giants, who just lost Barkley, even if it's short term, they consider trading for one of these players that clearly the Texans don't care that much about, and it could be an interesting move. Leonard Fournette played on 62% of snaps. He continues to be the clear starter uh, for the for the Bucks. Uh, he got 12 carries and five targets, finished with 110 yards and a score. It's just been easy for him to move the ball because the the Bucks are passing so well that. 
teams are not worried about Fournette. Um, and as long for as long as this role continues, he needs to be started every week. Um, he's getting that much usage. Elijah Mitchell returned from injury for the 49ers. He jumped right back into the role of starter, sending Trey Sermon to the bench. Um, I don't understand. Maybe maybe it's just that Shanahan likes Mitchell better. He, he sees something in the guy. I think Sermon played great, but it is what it is. Mitchell played on 68% of snaps and got 11 touches. Uh, now, he lost a lot of potential carries because Trey Lance carried it 16 times himself. Uh, I'd say Mitchell's upside is limited while Lance starts because they're having a little hard, uh, hard time moving the ball. And Lance takes the ball so many times. But if you have Mitchell on your roster, maybe you spend a bunch of fab on him. You have to like that he's clearly the lead back for now. Just keep in mind, Shanahan does change on a dime, as we've seen. You may want to consider adding Jeff Mitchell, uh, whether you have Mitchell or not. Uh, I'm sorry, Jeff Wilson, whether you have Mitchell or not. Um, when Wilson's healthy, which should be in the next few weeks, he could literally become the starter and send Mitchell 100% to the bench. That's how uh, how Shanahan kind of works. So just con- uh, keep Wilson in mind. Maybe consider adding him soon. Clyde uh, Edwards-Hilaire, as I mentioned, looked, um, well, before he got injured, he looked totally ineffective. Only got seven rushes for 13 yards. Uh, his only reception came on the, the play he was injured on. Uh, luckily for the Chiefs, it sounds like he's only out for a few weeks with an MCL. Um, so Daryl Williams becomes the starter for now. If you're desperate for a running back, uh, you should you should add Williams, he, especially for these next few weeks. He's going to get a lot of touches, assuming the Chiefs don't trade for somebody else. Um, at least 10 per game, I would say. Um, and in this running back desert, uh, that's pretty good. I don't know how much to spend on Williams. He's not a special talent. But if you need the back, uh, maybe spend a lot because he's going to be involved. Uh, Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton dominated targets for the Broncos. Uh, both played over 90% of snaps. So I just want to mention that to say, uh, you know, for a few weeks I said pick up Patrick, and that continues to be the case. He had nine targets and went seven for 89. I think both Patrick and Sutton are solid weekly starts the rest of the way uh, because I don't see, even when Judy comes back, I don't see him pushing Patrick out of his role at all. He's going to move to the slot. Now, he will soak up some targets, uh, but I still think Patrick's going to be worth starting most weeks. Hunter Henry continues to look like the clear lead option for the Patriots at tight end. Uh, Henry and Jonu Smith both played on the same number of snaps. They were 62%, but Henry received eight targets to Smith's two. Uh, He went six for 75 and a score. He just looks to be clicking with Mac Jones, and it looks like they want to use him more in the receiving role. And that makes sense because Jonu Smith is known as a very good blocker. So if uh, if you can get your hands on Henry, if you need a tight end, I think he's going to have a nice season. Noah Fant, don't worry about him. He only got four targets and went three for 20, but he played on 97% of snaps. So that's a very impressive number. Like I said, if you can find a tight end playing almost every snap, uh, that's, a, that's a player you want, especially when that player is extremely talented like Fant. Um, he, he's a top option every week. TJ Hawkinson was down at 81% of snaps, um, but that still led the Lions skill players. The thing is, he only got three targets, and this has been a concerning thing. He went, he, he really had nice weeks one and two, and then since then, defensive, uh, defenses have just taken him away. I'm not sure um, why they've been so easily able to do that. Uh, maybe it's just that they're the, you know, if you only have to really defend one receiver, um, that one guy you're worried about, it's just a simple thing to do. Maybe Hawkinson is, uh, I think he's also struggling with an injury. I don't know. If you have Hawkinson, um, I would consider picking up a player like Arnold 
or Ricky Seals-Jones or one of these players who's getting a lot of snaps and a lot of targets until we see Hawkinson sort of bounce back. But uh, certainly he still uh, has, has a nice outlook for the rest of the season. Uh, Tyler Conklin continued his streak of games over 70% of snaps to start the season. He played 75%. He only got three targets and went two for 25. And the, the thing is, the, the Vikings just have a very low volume passing offense. So this is going to be like uh, maybe half the weeks for Conklin. He's just not going to put up too, too big a numbers. If you're in deep leagues or tight end premium leagues, he's still worth holding. But if he was your starter in a shallow league, I would move on. Uh, finally, let's move to some lukewarm data points, the longer term items uh, to keep in mind for the future or watch closely. And you might need to move on these if you're in very deep leagues. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan played on 61% of snaps on Sunday. Joe Mixon was down at 28%. Uh, this was because Mixon was struggling with an injury. But I will say that um, P. Ryan got 11 carries and Mixon 10, and P. Ryan was way better. He, he ran for 59 yards, Mixon only 33. Um, he also was more effective in the passing game. So I don't know what that means. Um, I think I would just say that if P. Ryan, if you picked him up for a week, you know, to maybe start over Mixon, hold on to him uh, because that was a solid performance. When we might see more of a split going forward, obviously that's bad news for Mixon, those who roster Mixon, but um, it is what it is. P. Ryan looked good. So just keep that in mind. And if P. Ryan's on your wire or somebody drops him this week, I would consider him a potential add. Giovanni Bernard played on only 17 snaps. That's 23%. But he did get four carries and two targets. He went for 35 yards and a score. It's really hard to trust a guy who's only getting six uh, touches and only playing 23% of snaps. I don't think you can. The, the other hard part is that if the Bucks were trailing, I think Bernard would be in the game a lot. He's their pass down specialist, but they have a ridiculously easy schedule. So they almost never in comeback mode. Um, so I don't know. You, you just got to keep your eyes out for any matchup where they might be behind. And then Bernard becomes a nice um, a nice option to stick in your lineup if you need somebody. Tony Pollard played on 40% of snaps. That's been about his average this this season. He's really he's sharing the workload with Zeke, similarly to how the Cleveland backs share the workload, about 60-40. Um, that makes him a great option. I mean, he's he's a great dynamic back. Um, he's getting tons of work. So I think he's a weekly start unless you're in shallow leagues. Uh, Zach Moss by far had his highest snap share of the season, 74%. And that meant that, you know, Singletary saw his lowest snap share at 26%. I really don't know. You know, you saw week one, Moss wasn't even active. And then the past few weeks, they've been about 50-50. And then now Moss plays way more against the Chiefs. I don't know uh, why this happened, uh, but it's something to watch. Um, if if Moss continues to play uh, well over 50% of snaps, he's worth starting just because of the um, the production of this offense and how simple it might be for him to score. Um, if, it's, if it remains a 50-50 a split in future weeks, obviously I think neither of them is worth starting because they kind of uh, sap each other's value. The best thing we can say about the Ravens running back situation for now is that at least it's an obvious avoid. I mean, at least we know not to start any of them. Uh, three players are getting snaps. They're barely getting any carries. This team has turned into a pass-first offense, which is strange, but it is, maybe it's because they lost their, their backs they like. Uh, Murray led with 49% of snaps, then Devonta Freeman with 27%, then Tyson Williams with 19%. Uh, the touches were 8 Murray, six, Williams, four, Freeman. I just got to say, 
please look in other directions. Now, I, I'm in some leagues where I, re, I spent big money to get Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray thinking I would have the Ravens backfield locked up. They're certainly going to get carries, and that has just completely nosedived. If you're in my situation and you're thin at back, but you have these guys, I do not know what to tell you except scour the wire. I'm going to be trying to pick up all these players I've mentioned, um, players like Devontae Booker and Jeff Wilson and Khalil Herbert, Ramondra Stevenson, uh, all these guys, um, Daryl Williams, anybody I can get my hands on. Sometimes you just need a back. And so, yeah, I would I would not continue depending on these Ravens backs. Try to find somebody. Elijah Moore played on fewer snaps than both Jamison Crowder, who was 61%, and Keelan Cole, who was 55%. Moore was only 41% and did not catch either of his two targets. I th- I'd say in redraft leagues, he's probably a drop, almost certainly a drop. In my opinion, he's better than Keelan Cole by a lot. Uh, but the Jets coaches don't see it, so it is what it is. If you're in a dynasty league, I would definitely hold him. Do not let him go. Chris Moore is a name to keep in mind for the future. He had a nice breakout day for the Texans. I think he just had been elevated to the active roster that morning, which is crazy. Um, Brandon Cooks was just getting you know, smothered by the Belichick uh, treatment. Um, Moore played on 63% of snaps, caught all five of his targets for 109 and a score. I doubt this happens again. That's just why I say just keep your eye on it. I wouldn't pick him up yet, but um, maybe it does. Maybe it happens again, so keep it keep it in your, in your eyesight. A.J. Brown played on 64% of snaps and led the team in targets with six. He's been a humongous disappointment, though. He only caught three for 38 yards. I don't know if it's because he's working back from injury. I don't know if the Titans just stink. Um, at least they can run the ball. But I think if, if he doesn't start producing like a top 30 fantasy pick very soon, he's going to end up on a lot of benches. Some people are even going to cut him. I would suggest continuing to start him uh, this, this next week. His talent is just immense. And I think big production is coming. But obviously, it's something to watch. Um, certainly a leery of bad stuff happening. Uh, Jalen Waddle played the most snaps at wide receiver for the Dolphins. He got six uh, targets. He only caught two for 31 yards, though. I just think uh, this is a guy, don't don't drop him if you have him. He's likely going to be helped by Tua when he comes back. And um, for now, you got to bench him. But I think his talent is going to shine eventually. Uh, speaking of uh, guys who need to show up or they're going to be dropped, Odell Beckham. He led Cleveland skill players with 81% of snaps, but was barely targeted only three times, caught two for 20. He was out-targeted by Donovan Peoples-Jones and Rashard Higgins. I mean, this might be the end of the line for Beckham if he cannot start producing very soon. I think uh, I have him in a few leagues. I think you have to bench him until he does something. And that might mean you bench him when he goes off, but it is what it is. He's just he's not on the same page with Baker Mayfield right now. Meikle um, Hardman had one of the best games of his career, uh, mainly because the Bills totally took Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey out of the game. Hardman finished with nine catches, 76 yards on 12 targets. Um, the, for now, you know it shows that he's still the number number three option um, ahead of Josh Gordon. But just watch this. Um, I would not pick him up or spend much on him to pick him up. Um, because there's going to be a lot of weeks he catches two or three balls for 30 yards, and then I do think Gordon is going to work in to more of of the snaps. Uh, Dallas Goddard played on 67% of snaps, and Zach Ertz on 60%. Dallas Goddard caught two of three targets. Ertz caught one of six targets. It's an ugly situation. Um, The quarterback is just not not great at throwing the ball yet. He's fine, but he's not great. Um, One thing I wanted to mention about Goddard 
is that if Ertz is traded away, which could happen in the next week or two before the trade deadline, um, he, I, like I said about the Cardinals, they need a tight end. They could trade for Ertz. That would obviously help both players. So just keep an eye on that. For now, I would avoid both if you can. That's going to do it for our data points. Thank you so much for listening, for being a part of this small but growing Grinding the Data family. I appreciate each of you. I will try to make time this week for an open question and answer time on Twitter, so make sure you're following me at KevinScottFF. Have a wonderful week, and don't forget, whether in fantasy or in life, never give up. Do not stop grinding.